0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional
1: conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz.
0: And welcome back, fellow patriots, American taxpayers, and all around peace-loving Americans who care about your communities and neighborhoods. Believe it or not, this is the one and only independent conservative show that actually cares about the issues that matter to your community. Daniel Horowitz back in the house here for another day at the Conservative Review podcast and I'll tell you guys if if I didn't have you as an audience I'd be lonely as anything. I mean, I got a family, but in terms of this business I have never experienced a time in my career where we have faced so many existential threats, so many civilization issues, whether it's the future of our military mission, whether it's inviting in terrorists to our naval bases, whether it's arming um, our own soldiers on our bases whether it's seeding every county and every state with refugee resettlement whether it's sanctuary cities but not only that we faced these issues but that we had the ability to redress them you know under obama we were being bombarded every day with social transformation we felt helpless the best we can do is long for the next election but here we won and trump has depending on the issue given us certain victories or at least indulged our ideas. But rather than taking yes for an answer, we've gotten distracted. We've doped ourselves up on political heroin, where we focus on the stupidest non sequitur issues we could find every single day, issues that don't matter to our country, issues for which we cannot redress through activism or public policy, all at the expense of the issues that we could influence right here, right now. As I said yesterday, we have Trump's executive actions. We have the National Defense Authorization Act, which will be voted on as early as Wednesday in the House. We have the annual appropriation bill, which will turn into an omnibus likely next week. All vehicles to fight for all of the aforementioned issues. Issues that are 80-20 in the minds of the public. Issues that are so easy to explain. Issues where Trump intuitively is with us but issues where if we don't get in his face, the swamp will win all the time, every time, absolutely. Before we get to our special guest today and get into refugee resettlement, I just want to just clean up some of the stuff from yesterday on the Pensacola terror attack. I find it amazing that already it's not even in the news. We already heard that there were many, as many as 10 Saudis under suspicion. By the way, I could tell you from my sources, I have heard that there are roughly 100 Saudis in the Pensacola area that are at least being interviewed by the FBI. And as of now, we don't even know. Were there other people involved? What's the deal with the people um, filming the attack? Um, Where is the president? We had several clips we played yesterday of Secretary of Defense Mark Esper, another complete empty suit a complete antithesis to what Trump campaigned on, saying, hey, this program is a great program. Hey, I'm not sure why they were filming it. We don't yet know the motives. The president has been awfully silent. 100% of the conservative movement, whatever that even means, and conservative media is focused on impeachment. Um, Michael uh, um report, no relation, by the way, Um, Not the Daniel Horowitz Inspector General report on the state of our civilization. That's that's the report we need. Um, Maybe I'll put one out. And here we are. Where. We have two issues that Trump campaigned emphatically on. They are in his hands to immediately rectify. And he has an event, an unfortunate terror attack that catalyzes action on both of those. And as it stands now, nothing will happen. Number one, we spoke about yesterday shutting off visas from Saudi Arabia, at the very least, this A-2 visa, a military training program. But number two, arming our soldiers on, on military bases. Trump could do that tomorrow. He campaigned emphatically on that in January uh, of 2016. Then in a CPAC speech in February, on February 8th, uh, 2018, the president made a mockery out of it and said, what type of nonsense is this? Are soldiers not being armed? And then guess what? In March, the broken military leadership, the same military leadership that that promotes transgenderism, the same military leadership that promotes social engineering, the same military leadership that has expunged Christianity from the military, they've now banned biblical verses on Dog tags, the same military leadership that was caught by the Washington Post, bipartisan consensus now, of sending our soldiers to die in Afghanistan for nothing, the same military leadership that believes we need to invade the world and invite the world. Those people said, "No, no, 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 we don't want soldiers being armed on our own military bases. These are two issues, cutting off visas from Saudi Arabia and as many other These countries, as we can do, and arming our soldiers on military bases where Trump could do unilaterally. They intersect with the National Defense Authorization Act being voted on this week. They intersect certainly with the budget bill. And there is not a single prominent voice even pushing the president to. And again, these are not issues that we're trying to reinvent the wheel on. These are issues where the president emphatically said he supports what we're trying to do. And here we are 3 day 3 years into this administration. Yes, we have a deep state problem, but we also have a shallow state problem. I want you guys to google Trump cabinet White House URL and it will list the cabinet and cabinet equivalent positions such as chief of staff to the to the president. Ask yourself this, how many of them are MAGA officials. You won't count too many. Now, do another thing. Go to the RGA website. Actually, we'll put it up here on the screen. You can see the list from the Republican Governors Association, the number of Republican governors. Go down that roster and ask yourself this question. How many share our values on illegal immigration, on refugee resettlement, on crime, on healthcare freedom, on spending, on any issue conservatives care about? One, Two, maybe, maybe zero on all the issues put together. Let's move on. I don't want to keep our guests waiting. We have a very special guest. One of the biggest things you could do, you guys have been asking me, emailing me for for years, what could we do? Daniel, you've made the case very well. What could we do? Trump gave us something we really wanted, allowing county and state governments to determine the fate of their own communities vis-a-vis refugee resettlement. And officially, pursuant to the order issued September 25th by the White House, um, promulgated by the State Department in conjunction with the Department of Homeland Security, and in some ways, HHS as well, refugee resettlement cannot take place under this order unless a given jurisdiction has the affirmative support of the county officials and the state governor. Now, that gets a little murky, and we're going to talk to our special guest about this. There's nobody on our side even fighting. The left is mobilized. See, they don't get paralyzed by impeachment. They are not only winning blue areas within blue states, LA, New York, Chicago, San Francisco. No. They are getting rural red counties that Trump carried by 20, 30 points within red states that Trump carried by 20, 30 points, such as Burley County, North Dakota, that just happened last night, County county Commission approved it three to two. Um, Republicans, Republicans, as you well know, support this just as much as Democrats, and we are left disenfranchised. What do we do about it? I want to introduce you guys to Ann Corcoran. Who is Ann Corcoran? Ann Corcoran is a citizen journalist who created a website, refugeeresettlement.org. You got to go there, refugeeresettlement.org. This is truly special. And in many respects, Ann is the antithesis of what we're talking about. And if we had one of her on each important issue, we would have a different movement, a different country. Rather than all the empty calories that are put out by these losers on Fox News, heck, on my network too, elsewhere, um, I guess I'll get myself in trouble for that. But, but I'm sick of the empty calories. Anne Corcoran has written, I believe, roughly 9,000 posts within a period of 12 years, focusing like a laser beam on the policy, political outcomes, cultural outcomes, legalities of refugee resettlement. It's truly a masterpiece, refugeeresettlement.org. She also has another website we're going to promote throughout the show. And she is going to warn us, convince us, activate us to get involved in this issue and this particular opportunity that President Trump gave us. With no further ado, Anne Corcoran, it is an honor to welcome you to the first for the first time to the conservative review podcast hopefully not the last. How you doing, Ann? Thanks for joining us.
1: I'm doing great, Daniel. Thanks so much for having me. And I'm chuckling because I have said over the years, just imagine if every one of us who were concerned about what's happening to America just picked one little issue and honed in on it day in and day out and reported on it and got the message out. Imagine how far advanced we would be. The left gets up every single day. And they know what they're gonna do. They have their marching orders and they're gonna change America. And I say in this case, change America by changing the people. Um, And
0: and let let me interrupt you. How many Ann Corcoran's do you think there are on the left just on the refugee issue? A thousand? 500?
1: Oh my gosh, yes. And the difference is, the difference is on the left, they, um, they're being paid to do this work. They get up every day and collect a salary from nine to five to do this work. That's what's so astounding. You know, And what people don't get through their head is that people like me, I don't want to brag, but I work for nothing. I work for America. That's it. And um, and the last is a, they're paid and they're largely paid either by big donors like Soros or the Koch brothers, frankly. Um, or they're paid by our tax dollars that pass through these resettlement agencies. This really, It really is an outrage.
0: It, it, it is an outrage. And again, this is, you know, before we get into the refugee issue, I just want to tell our audience that, I mean, this is what I mean by citizens task forces. I spoke about this last year. Um, because the paid professional conservative politicos are out to lunch. I mean, we're going to need to kind of do this for free. And, and a group of you, you could do what Ann does. Um, a lot of you have sent me a lot of good information. Keep it going. But I want to get into what we can do. So I gave a little introduction there and sorry to take take long to get to you and filibuster a little bit there. But did I capture the spirit of what is going on with Trump's order? Right. I want to just give us the general um, landscape of what is at stake, the timetable, the geography of, of what's going on before we get to specifics and what we can do.
1: Okay, let me go back to the beginning in the Trump campaign, and everyone should recall that the president said that he wanted to um, reduce the number of refugees coming into the country. He said we weren't going to take any Syrians. We are taking Syrians, by the way, and I have some numbers to, to tell your uh, viewers. Um, and, and so we waited in the first year. Okay, so he started to reduce the numbers, and that's good. I'm not saying reducing the numbers. Um, Wasn't a good thing. Gradually reducing the numbers little by little. This year, he really infuriated the left by by going down to 18,000 refugees um, for this next fiscal year. But he made no effort. And I have to tell you this, after a while, I got a little um, frustrated, um, a little disappointed. He did nothing. And he really hasn't done much yet to... um, change the program altogether. I felt that the program needs to be completely abolished, and Congress needs to rethink the whole thing. And I, and I know that there are ways that Trump can do that if he wanted to. So I got a little discouraged. However, this fall in September, he set up an executive order. Let me just emphasize, it is not perfect. Um, But he set up an executive order, and so we now have to respond to that. It's important that we do. He has listened to our concerns that I've been talking about for a dozen years, that communities are left completely in the dark when they're chosen to be refugee resettlement sites. And so he set it up with this executive order that a county commission, in some cases a city, it's a little vague, um, Mm -hmm. must give permission, as must the governor, written permission that refugees will be placed into that community in the next fiscal year. They're talking now, this isn't going to go into effect until June. But your viewers should know that in the next few weeks, they need to get to their county commission. It's happening everywhere across the country. The the refugee contractors, which I refer to all the time, those are the nine, some of them quasi-religious organizations that make up the religious left. Um, have had weeks ahead of us to to get out and gin up their their supporters in their various communities. Um, We now have only a few weeks for people to get to their county commission. I have to say that that although it was a loss um, in Burley County, North Dakota last night, I have to give those commissioners um, a lot of credit for holding a public hearing because some of these counties are coming online now, sending their permission letter into the State Department with no community input whatsoever.
0: So so that's the thing. So they need to send a letter in. The, the assumption, although we can't necessarily count on it, is that you need an opt-in, meaning that the default, at least if you take the order written in September 25th uh, face value, is the default is no refugee resettlement will occur in a given jurisdiction until there is an opt-in. So that would mean that the governor has to support it and the the that given county would have to sign off on it as well is it, did, did i get that right
1: yes except that at the governor's level we understand that they have to either opt in or opt out that there needs to be a written letter from the governor about whether they're in or they're out they can't just not respond
0: whoa 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 i didn't know that wait and back up that's a big deal so be, and, and i'll tell you guys why is a big deal So there's there's left is plenty of leftist Republicans. Most governors are those of you who are more familiar with the senators than governors. So let me just give you a little bit of a yardstick. Most of them are like Lamar Alexander and Susan Collins, not even like a Kevin McCarthy type of guy. They're extremely liberal on this issue. So you had Doug Ducey, our our friend from Arizona there, um, shortly after he approved in-state tuition for illegal aliens. Evidently, he thinks his state has not had enough of um, hundreds of thousands of Central Americans pouring in this year. So he has signed off on refugee resettlement. But then you have snaky Republicans that might not want to be that overtly liberal, but they're certainly not where we are. So what they might do is just like, all right, I'll be neither yay or nay. So, and are you telling me that, let's say governor, let's just pick on one, and and we're going to need to bang away at these people, and people need to know Governor Brad Little from a state like Idaho which we should have in the bag or Kevin Stitt from Oklahoma where they might just say nothing so you're saying that if the you know Lutheran or Catholic charities gets in there to one of the counties at Boise, uh, Oklahoma City and they get the commissioners or mayor or county ca- or city council to approve it that would mean you get refugee resettlement there
1: Yes, the governor must opt out in writing. That's our understanding from um, mm. sources inside the government that they must opt out in writing if they're going to get out. Now we already have several Republicans who have sought, who have opted in, including um, Governor Sununu of New Hampshire, as okay. you mentioned, Ducey of Arizona, the Utah governor. Herbert. Uh, yep. Uh, the, a- a-
0: anyone else?
1: North Dakota governor said he will be in if his communities are in, and so apparently his communities are in as of um, the last few days. Okay, so
0: we so we have we have four. We have Sanudo. We have Ducey of Arizona. We have Herbert of Utah, um, and uh, gosh, I forget the dude's name, um, the Teletubby Republican. And boy, are these Teletubbies! That Doug uh, Bergum um, from North Dakota. Now, the New York Times is reporting that 16 governors have already opted in. A lot of them are Democrats like the Pennsylvania governor, um, and Virginia governor. But if you do the math, doesn't that mean there are some other undocumented uh, Republican perpetrators That's, we should be aware
1: of? I was very shocked, frankly, to see that mention of 16. So either the lobbyist for world relief doesn't have her facts and told the New York Times that 16 governors have Already sent in their permission. I'm only seeing eight that have been um, actually gone, been in the media saying that they are in. Um, nobody has said they're out, of course, yet.
0: Not um, a single, not a single governor. And what are what are some of the big ones that people need to contact, and what should they do?
1: Oh, the biggest of all, in my view, is Texas.
0: Greg Abbott. Yeah,
1: Texas is the biggest resettlement state um, in the country. Most people don't realize that. Um, they think it's California or New York, whatever. California and New York are pretty high. Um, the other very important um, governor is Tennessee. And folks in Tennessee lead. are working hard on that governor, too, because, in fact, there's a lawsuit. I don't want to get into the weeds, but the, the state of Tennessee filed a lawsuit against the uh, federal government over this issue of states' rights, where the where what's happening at the federal level is that the, the cost of this program has gradually over the years shifted to state and local taxpayers. I mean, it doesn't take a, a, a genius to see that our educational system is paid for at a local level, um, our criminal justice system on a local level. Um, much of the Medicare uh, funds that refugees get is paid for out of state funds so that um, the state of Tennessee filed a lawsuit and um it's gone through a lot of hurdles, and it's possibly going to go to the Supreme Court. And that's a state's rights issue and a very important one. So the governor of Tennessee should now opt in, in my view, and I'm not a lawyer, but I'm guessing it would kill the lawsuit.
0: Sure, sure. And and um, as we said yesterday, uh, and I wrote an article yesterday, Bill Lee is the type of Republican who literally said um, his goal is to empty out the jail. So, I mean, these are the type of Republicans we're dealing with. Um, Those Tennessee state elected Republicans are something else, a site to be held. Um, And let's go on to
1: make one other point um, that I think is is a positive one about this um, initiative and that is forcing governors and and county commissioners, and in some cases, mayors to go on record as to whether they support refugees or don't. And in fact, most of those who support refugees want more immigration across the board anyway. So it's a very good way for us to figure out our friends and our foe. Um, And so it has a very positive effect that way, I think.
0: Sure. No, no. And and that's that's the good thing, because again, there's one thing to lose a political battle and you have no redress. The courts do it or you know the State Department is doing that. That has been the problem the last number of decades. At least now, even if you know they activate and our side is is sleeping in most places, and and conservative political activism is dead basically when it comes to important issues. But at least so, yeah, you lose the vote on a county commission. They vote to have refugee resettlement. Well, now you know um, there are several clowns that need to be defeated, and we certainly will will, will get the names of um, the three in in Burley County. That's Bismarck uh North Dakota that that uh betrayed, you know, their own their own citizens. They they voted for fundamental social transformation. Um these are certainly people that 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 do need to be defeated. Uh Jerry Jerry Woodox, Mark Armstrong and Kathleen Jones, they're the Burley County commissioners who voted um in the 3 to 2 vote to accept refugees, but I want to put that on a shelf just for one more minute. Could you explain the mechanics to our listeners? That what's at stake here is not just a matter of a, a a land a geographical landscape of how many areas and which areas are going to get seeded for this social transformation middle eastern refugees um it also determines the long term viability of the parasitic um self interests of these nine groups because isn't it true that they need to come with a letter and say, okay, we have these counties contracting with us. And if we would have all the red states and red counties saying no, I mean, I'm just trying to think and I'm forgetting Trump won something like 81, 82% of the counties. So theoretically, if you know, I think you, you and I would believe we could even win in blue counties, this is a winning issue. But certainly, where Trump won, they would be out of money, they would be bankrupted. So isn't that true that they're also getting more money commensurate with the counties and states they pick off?
1: Well, let me just go back to to how this. Most people are absolutely shocked to hear that the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops Migration Program is 90 percent funded by U.S. taxpayers. Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Service, the national contractor that that is responsible for North Dakota, they're about 90 percent funded by the federal government. Um, and most, and much of that, I shouldn't say most of it, much of it is on a per, they are paid on a per refugee head basis to resettle refugees. So the incentive, the whole program, in my view, the whole massive flaw in this program is to turn this responsibility over to nine unelected nonprofits fake nonprofit groups because they're getting their funding from the taxpayer. And those groups are basically driving this entire program in the whole country. The state department sits down with them every week with the nine every week. And and one will say, I want that case coming from Somalia and I'll take that case from somewhere else. And they divvy up and they spread them around where they want to spread them around, where they have perceived two things, a welcoming atmosphere for social change and wanting diversity and all that. But number two, a ma- major driving force are big global corporations like mm-hmm. the meat meatpackers that want this cheap labor. That is a lot of what's driving this um, behind the scenes. These contractors, some of them are working directly. Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Service, we found out last year, had a contract with, um, with uh, JBS Swift and Tyson Foods to find refugee workers for those big corporations. And the average person doesn't know their community is being changed in the name of religious humanitarianism. But in fact, it's because big companies... Want big global companies want the cheap labor and um, and the citizens don't have a clue how this is coming down. Well, surprisingly last night, that New York Times article mentions that the county commissioner president had no clue that they had already been getting refugees. This is a secret program. I can't emphasize that enough. Yep. what got me involved in the first place is, is a secret. It, and, program.
0: And, 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 as we've said so many times and I, and it's really the title of my book here. You know, um, stolen sovereignty, literally social transformation without representation. Immigration has to belong to the whole of the people that Madison, when he talked about republicanism, what is republican form of government where the people through their elected representatives have to determine their outcome? The paradigm issue he picked was naturalization, because that's the most important issue. Who will make up your future orientation? Who, Who will be? Part of your society. That is the most important decision a society makes. And yet, this has been made for years behind closed doors. Trump has brought this out to the people more. So, let me ask you this. You know, many of us, I would have said, if you would have told me we would have succeeded in getting Trump to um, implement this order and forcing opt in in order to get refugees, I would tell you there's a 20 point Curve on this issue, meaning that this issue, we could win 20 points away to the left of the 50 yard line in American politics, because even people who vote for Democrats, they don't want this type of stuff. Yet, why is it, Ann, that you think that in a place like Burley County, and I'll look it up as you're talking, but I think Trump won it by 20, 25, maybe 30 points um, in North Dakota, we lost. And, And they did turn out there. The people were activated for once and we lost the three to two vote, what what gives?
1: Well, it's a couple of things. One is I think there's this enormous fear by, on the part of elected officials to be called racist, Islamophobes, whatever. And that has been so beaten into the American psyche now. And we don't have enough elected officials that have the guts to say, call me whatever you want. I'm going to do the right thing here. Mm. So I think that's a driving factor for these for a lot of these... We have these elected officials who are frankly chicken to stand up to this, yeah. to that kind of bullying from the left, that we're, we're xenophobes, we're haters, we're racist, and so on and so forth. The other factor is this big factor behind the scenes of these big companies pushing for refugee labor. In Idaho, it's Chibani Yogurt. North Dakota, it's probably meatpacking. I, I don't know for sure. Um, Colorado meatpacking, pushing for these employees. They need this steady supply of what I would call slave labor. Companies like the big meat, and I call them big meat, big meat used to pay a decent salary for American workers until they discovered the immigrant labor. And then they knew they could just, mm-hmm. just go for the... And so behind the scenes, it's a big driving factor. You would have to look to see who's funding these county commissioners' campaigns, for example. And I think then you'd find some answers.
0: No, exactly. The local interest. And, and, and look, um, I, I was just uh DMing with a activist friend of mine in North Carolina as we were talking on the show now, and you know I I alerted her. I said, "Hey, you know, are you guys aware of this?" So they have a Democrat governor, Roy Cooper, big leftist, but there is a super majorities of Republicans in the state legislature. Ninety percent of the counties would be against this, and I know I have a friend who um uh bill forrest um dan forrest who is lieutenant governor and he is running against him next year for governorship i was like hey you guys need to get on this like this is a big thing and 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 she responded to me like it's not even on anyone's radar and and that is what is so scary by the way and as we're talking you won't believe it trump carried trump carried burley county north dakota are you ready for this by a 46 point margin 68 to 22%. Wow. 68 to 22%. So I mean they're able to beat us on this issue in a plus 46 point Trump county. That is how how asymmetrical this warfare is and how our people are just asleep. You know, you would think often the capitals are um, more liberal in certain places, but, you know, in North Dakota, we, 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 you know, have this. So where do we go from here? If you had time with a bunch of conservative activists, what would you tell them to do as the next steps?
1: oh my gosh, we need to follow the left and we need to become community organizers. One of the things I would do is to start to unelect some of these local elected officials. We're losing at the mayor mayoral level on all of these issues. Um, we don't have a grassroots movement on this issue. Even the major immigration restriction groups will touch refugees. It's just maddening. And part of it is, I think, they think that I don't know what they think, that the numbers are too low or that they don't want to be beaten up and be called, you know, racist. So, uh, well,
0: and, and I want you to talk about the numbers a minute, because some might say, well, in Bismarck and in Burley County, they, they approve 25. OK, how much is it? But could you explain to people why what we've seen from past history, what starts off as a small number transmogrifies into something like what we've seen in Portland, Maine, where you now have a student body in the city schools of something like six and a half thousand. And there are now 67 languages spoken more than in New York City.
1: Yeah. Let me just um, address this issue of the, the supposed cap that the commissioners put on in North Dakota. There's nothing in the law or this funding document, this funding guidelines from the State Department that allows them to put any cap on. So that was just smoke. I mean there's they, they can't put a cap on. They can't say, well, we'll take Christians from Syria, but we don't want anybody else. They can't say that. So there's nothing hmm. all lets them say that. So I don't know what they're thinking that they're going to wait. S- so that's an important
0: detail a very and this is a very important thing for us to get out to people when they speak to their elected representatives. Are are you saying just to confirm, this is an on or off button that that the president's order gives them. You could reject it or not, but if you don't reject it or alternatively, if you accept it, then whatever contractor gobbled up that county, whether it's highest, whether it's Catholic Charities, Lutheran um, and whatever else, they they own them and they could resettle however many they get their hands on from wherever they get them.
1: Yes. Absolutely, they can. That's what I'm trying to tell people. One of the downsides of this thing is that there are a lot of places that have kind of been hands-off over time. But if right now, say some interfaith group goes to some podunk county somewhere that's not had refugees and convinces that county commission to send in a letter, that could be a new refugee resettlement site, a new prime refugee resettlement site. Now, let me, on in Portland, there's a couple of things going on in Portland. Once a sure. city like Portland has started to invite refugees, then more people will – more will come there. They have the, – the welcome mat has been put out in Portland. Mm-hmm. Then the other part of it is Maine gives – you know, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but, you know, the asylum seekers, those, like, hundreds of thousands who are coming across our border and, and asking for asylum, they um, are not allowed to get welfare, whereas refugees can get welfare. And, and when a refugee arrives – they are permitted to get welfare right away. Okay, And that's part of what, let me just say, that's what the contractor's job is. For three months, they get their new group of refugees signed up for welfare, get the kids in school, get them their medical care, get them their housing. And in three months, they're done. And those refugees then are the responsibility of the community. The asylum seekers technically are not allowed to get welfare until they have been deemed a legitimate refugee, mm. except in Maine where Maine gives welfare in places like Portland to, to asylum seekers. So that's drawn a whole nother group of people to Maine, That, which is the asylum seekers that are going there because of the generous welfare that's available to them. And, and the whole idea of, a, of a, it's a welcoming community. 67 languages is probably not the top for some cities in the United States, by the way. There are some cities that have more than 60-some languages.
0: Oh, yeah. I've I've seen I've seen that before. And I'm looking right now at an article we're actually going to put up here on the screen for our, our video audience um, from Arizona. This is a Washington Times article. Schools teach refugee migrant kids skills to succeed in the U.S. And um, they talk about uh, this one school, one school a Valencia newcomer school where more than 200 children from around the world are learning English skills, classroom skills. And they talk about, for example, and I love this line here, when the school year begins, the refugee and immigrant children often don't know the rules. A kid might be fascinated with a light switch. They excitedly turned off and on. And, and, and I'm thinking, like, again, we, we have a knack for bringing people in from the most primitive cultures. That, that's been a, um, an obsession. So evidently, Latin Americans at large weren't enough. So now we have to find the Mayan communities. We spoke about this last week um, with the extremely primitive culture and problems that they're having in southwest florida um because the tomato farms need uh five cents cheap cheaper tomatoes uh and and we have to deal with all the all the social problems but you know i i have young kids i have all elementary school kids and the world's nuts it's very hard to raise kids these days and even sending my kids to private jewish school where you're largely shielded from a lot of the problems in public school still i mean th- th- it's a very sensitive balance it's very hard to matriculate kids to be normal people anymore and has nobody considered what it's like to carte blanche flood the country with people that have tremendous problems and what's funny is the left wing ngos will talk about it in the context of their home countries yeah you got the child marriage problems you got this problem you got that problem but somehow you bring them here and what it dissipates
1: Well, uh, the magic, uh, what what is it called? The uh, the melting uh, pot goes to work, they think. But it doesn't. It really doesn't. Let me just, when you're talking about primitive people, I have to say, I want your viewers to know that in 2013, Obama said to the UN, and this happens over and over again in the refugee program, the UN will come to us and say, will you take X number of refugees that we have in camps, in this case, Africa? And the UN said, Will you take, President Obama, 50,000 DR Congolese refugees? These are very primitive people. The women have a lot of problems because there's a lot of abuse. So they come here with, with mental conditions that have to be dealt with. Sure. And um, so Obama said, Yes, we'll take 50,000 over five years. We are still taking them. We are up to 60,000. They are the top group coming into the country right now. Now, they're not mostly Muslim, there's a handful of Muslims, so that's not an issue. But these are very primitive people. They they will not be able to find any kind of work that's gonna support their family except the most menial labor um, going forward. And they're gonna need a lot of care. And a lot of expensive care, especially mental health care and so on and so forth. And yet, I don't think, I don't even know if Trump's people know that we've had a cap of 50,000. Because they're still coming. And it's the highest group this, uh, last month, 500 came last month, just in the month of November.
0: So, Anne, I don't know if you saw yesterday, I put out a spreadsheet, um, a graphic of 47 predominantly muslim countries and you know not everyone from there is a muslim necessarily but most are and then i left off some other big countries like india and nigeria where there is a significant percentage roughly 50% nigeria 15% in india but we have a tremendous amount of numbers from india um so it's it's at least this many new muslim immigrants we brought in 2.3 million since um 911 or at least since 2001 and um I look at the numbers, and I want to get your comment on this, what I found fascinating. In the year 2018, we handed out 9,131 green cards to Iranian nationals. Now, to be fair, the overwhelming majority were adjustment of statuses. They were already here, but I I remember, and it's something like 1,100 or 1,300 from what I saw DHS's website were new arrivals, ditto for Syria, although the numbers maybe were a little less. Could you explain to our audience, so the president only shut off five of roughly 50 countries. But even those five countries, it doesn't seem like it's a full shutoff, does it?
1: No, it's not a full shutoff. as a matter of fact. let me The numbers are small for the last month because Trump's bringing in smaller numbers, okay? But, but for example just in the last four weeks from Syria 37 refugees came in and you're going oh well that's not very many 32 of them were Muslims we're not saving the Syrian Christians if that's what if that's what some of these left-wing or even these evangelical groups that are supposed to be right-wing yeah. think that we're saving the Syrian Christians we're not in Af- from Afghanistan we brought in 91 refugees 82 Muslims um, Iraq we brought in 50 refugees last month, 35 Muslims of the 50, so we're not saving Iraqi Christians. And here's the here's the killer to me. Of the Muslims we brought in in the last month, half are Shia and half are Sunni, we are basically bringing in—they persecute each other, and we bring them each in as persecuted people because one's persecuting the other, so we bring them both in. Oh my I mean,
0: gosh, do- and we're getting—we're we're, we're, going to be on this for two hours. We're, we're running out of time, but I want you to speak briefly about that. You've written probably dozens of articles, more than I have in my career, about this phenomenon of not only do we bring problems to our shores, um, criminal problems, violence, social problems, but for example, particularly in Somalia, we we brought multiple sides of Middle Eastern clan slash tribal wars that are now manifest, for example, in greater Minneapolis. Where I mean, you could Google; it's all over the Star Tribune. There, there's a number of you know, you know, open-source mainstream media on this. Where you have competing gangs that now fall along the same pre-existing lines that were there in the Middle East,
1: right? And so, so we all know about the Somalis, but I'll bet you most people who are watching this do not know about the Burmese. We brought in thousands of Burmese Christians over the years. Now, to be fair. We're bringing in Muslims, the Rohingya Muslims. We've brought about 20,000 Rohingya Muslims into the United States in the last decade or so. And Trump is still bringing them in. The numbers are small, but they're still coming they're in. They're still coming. And so these contractors have placed some of these Rohingya into communities in the United States where it's mostly Christian Burmese communities. And I have been told that the Christian Burmese don't want to come out of their houses because— the neighbors are Rohingya Muslims that they didn't get along with at all back in Burma. It is real. And they, and these contractors must think that they're going to all just come in and just love each other because they're in America for some reason. I mean, it is bizarre. But before we run out of time, yeah. I really need to make this point about the special immigrant visas we're bringing oh, in. Oh, from-
0: that was my next question. Yes, yes.
1: Okay, I don't want to run out of time for this because people don't get this either. We have brought in... I told, just told you last month we only brought in, well, only, we brought in 1,488 refugees from all over the world. But we brought in 2,502 Afghans in the last month who were special immigrant visa holders. These are supposedly people who helped us in our- work
0: with the military. Think Pensacola, right? We, we know we bring in Saudis to train. Will we bring in Afghanis to train? Now, not everyone is being military trained. Some of them were are we resettled like refugees? But Anne, you're telling me, and this is very important a lot of people are thinking, well, Trump lowered the refugee cap. It's pretty low. The SIVs are not counted against the cap.
1: No, let me just tell you this research I just did recently from 2007 to present time. We brought in 56,000 from Afghanistan who supposedly helped us. Now, tell me, we had that many translators, or were these just people taking out the garbage in, in various government facilities and nonprofit facilities too, by the way? But 30,000.
0: 56,000 50, SIVs.
1: Yes, but yes. listen, 30,000 of those have come since Trump took office. I was shocked. Fifty-six thousand since two thousand and seven, but thirty thousand in the last. year. Yeah, two- the
0: Iraqi SIVs, I think, went down, but the Afghani ones went up.
1: Correct. Correct. Now, with um, with Iraq, though, we brought in. Here's just uh, we brought in eighteen thousand SIVs from Iraq since two thousand fiscal year two thousand and seven, but we brought in one hundred and forty-three thousand regular Iraqi refugees, and that's a heck of a lot. That's, that's a heck hard. of a lot.
0: I have, by the way, my number is just total. If you add in. All green cards issued to Iraqi nationals from 2001 through 2018—that's 18 years worth—just um, shy of 204,000. Just yeah, shy. Just, of two. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's
0: not all refugees, but a lot of them might be derivatives of original refugees, chain migrants. Um, you look at Pensacola, and it's like, I, I mean, what, what? What are we doing?
1: <laughs> I wish I knew, and I wish the public understood more about what we were doing. But you see, the mainstream media, none of it, well, even, I'll even, well, even say Fox News, they don't tell us any of this stuff. Nope. They don't tell us this. And so the average person out there in America is watching their cable news channel, or or God forbid, they're watching the ABC and NBC and CBS. They never know this is happening. Uh-oh. The New York Times doesn't write about this. The Washington Post doesn't write about nope. this. Nobody.
0: And, and, and l- let me give you one more country. Um, so Trump said extreme vetting. We have to make sure people love America. Who are these people? What's going on? In the year 2018, okay, last year, Somalia. Now, again, mo- overwhelmingly, they are adjustment of statuses, but still, 11,541 somali nationals were given green cards last year Wow! do you think we vetted them for clan ties al-shabab ta- i mean
1: yeah, eleven thing thousand. Thing is a fiction vetting thing is a fiction a thinking person would know you how are you going going to do you to vet a that Somalia and say hey i'd like the criminal records for mohammed so-and-so you know that it doesn't exist as a matter of fact you know, nobody liked Comey, but in 2017, yeah. Comey, the director of the FBI, said they were watching 300 cases in the United States of refugees who were potentially terrorists. And nobody listened to that, you know. But they're here because there's no way you're going to vet them from some Syrian village, from some, you know, Afghan village somewhere. Um, they're, I, in my view, many of them are going to be sleepers, and we're going to find out someday. Um that yeah. We
0: made such mistakes. And, and we found that a lot with Afghanis, with Iraqis in par- particular, plenty of them. Um, but folks, I want you guys to go to RefugeeResettlement.org. And hey, you also have Daniel, another website.
1: Daniel, it's refugee dot org.
0: Oh darn, I'm sorry. <laughs> refugee resettlement watch org. um, okay.
1: And and let me just say, the um, the speech police at WordPress took down my original blog. It yep. had a different URL. So people may still be coming across that, that it's been shut down, the old one, but it, we recovered it. I recovered it with a help. And your other
0: something. website is what? It's Fra- called
1: frauds, crooks, and criminals. Dot, I can't remember it's to oh, tell gosh. You to- <laughs>
0: Okay, we'll put that up, up. Frauds, crooks, and criminals. Again, all really good material of substance on the issues that matter to our civilization um there's so much out on the web now everyone has their say in empty calories but this is someone that has been really steady eddie for for about a dozen years on this stuff um you could follow her at refugee info resource is the facebook page refugee watcher at refugee watcher on twitter um and we're about out of time What is your closing pitch? What could people do in their various cities and counties?
1: If I would, you and I did, I called my county commissioners the other day and I said, has anybody contacted you about making our county a refugee resettlement site? I was told no, and I was told that they would let me know if anybody contacted them. And everybody should just call their county commissioner. How long? What is this going to take you, 15 minutes? And you should call your governor, too. It's going to take you 15 minutes to do this and find out what's going on. And the reason this is happening so quickly is that the Trump administration just put out the guidelines, but the contractors had a month heads up on us to yep. get to the grassroots first.
0: Remember, they're fighting for their existence, and and that's the ultimate conflict of interest. You and I get no money for you know ratcheting it down, but they get extra salaries. You know that Hatfield guy from highest, what like four hundred thousand dollar a year salary, commensurate with how many people they um screw up communities with, and and that's that's the it's the ultimate conflict of interest. It just makes no sense to have um private individuals uh benefit from this and thanks so much for everything you do again refugee resettlement is your website there's a lot of very very important content there frauds crooks and criminals is another website follow her at refugee watcher we're out of time um send me your emails at dharwitz at blazemedia.com and what is your the best way to contact you
1: um, probably at my uh, blog, Refugee Resettlement Watch, you'll see a contact information. Contact in right information. Um, okay, people
0: have questions, what they can do, report back to us. Let's build the movement right here, right now, in all 50 states, because the left is involved in all 50 states, over 3,000 counties. They don't see a single inch. Let's at least get a foothold in a couple of states, Texas, Florida, being big ones. A lot more on the table. We left, we're going to have Ann back for an update in the coming days and weeks. Thank you for listening. God bless. Until tomorrow, this has been another issue of the Conservative Review Podcast.